When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. listening to turn on the jets live what's up everybody welcome to another episode of turn the jets live i'm your host steven sands joined by my co-host steven russo russo it's good to have you back how you doing buddy i'm good man i'm really good it's good to be back i don't think i'm as good as you some exciting news for you personally breaking over the weekend man so tell us a little more about that yeah so um, many of you have sent me really nice, you know, tweets, messages and all that. I appreciate it. But I did get engaged over the weekend and it was one of the, the best days of my life, probably is the best day of my life. So I do appreciate that. And as you told me before we went live, Chelsea has signed up for a lifetime of pain. Just kidding. She already knows what she signed up for the moment we started dating me. But yeah, it, it was incredible. And thank you again to everybody who reached out because it, it was really beautiful to see. Yeah, man. Hey, from uh, from me, obviously, but from all of us at uh, at TOJ Badlands, and obviously the fan base, man. Congratulations and uh, super happy for you guys. And yes, a lifetime of psychotic Jets fandom, and, and Chelsea's all on board for it. Clearly, she was uh, initiated already, but now she knows that uh, she's getting it for the rest of her life, which is just that that's awesome, man. So congratulations, seriously, happy for you guys. Thank you, thank you. But we do have a show to talk about, so I don't, you know, want to take all the attention here. So big news broke this afternoon and everybody was really confused. And we just found out that Corey Davis is retiring. So Russo, I'm going to kick it off to you. What are your thoughts about this? Because it's been really weird with him the last week or so. He's been away from the team for personal reasons. There's been a lot of speculation about his job security, his role, what could be happening, especially since they got Lazard on the team. But like, what are your thoughts on him retiring? Yeah, I mean, it's the first thing that you want to say is that you hope everything's all right, right? I mean, this guy, he's he's got a wife, he's got two young kids, uh, he's 28 years old, he was due to make $10.5 million this year. So to walk away from that, I think there's got to be something that's, that's a much bigger deal than football. So you, you hope that everything is okay with him and his family health-wise. I know... Um, you know, he's had some struggles. I think he, I want to say he lost a brother, um, you know, a, a few years back too, which you just, so you feel for the guy ultimately, and you just hope that everything is okay with him and his family and his health from a football standpoint, you know, he was one of the guys, especially like early on in camp. And even before this, where you thought the jets could have the opportunity to move him. You really didn't think that he was going to be on the roster. Maybe he was included in the Aaron Rodgers trade. So that's kind of where all of our heads were. And once camp rolled around, you kind of realize like, okay, well, having Corey Davis as a depth piece is a, that's kind of nice to have. And he's, you know, he, he seemed to make a few plays early on in camp and you start going, okay, well, this is a guy that we were really excited about in 21 when we signed him, thought he had obviously good potential. He was a fifth overall pick. He obviously, you know, made some headway with the Titans once Tannehill got there and had some stability at the quarterback position. 
I think to say the very least, his two years as a Jet has been underwhelming maybe, but you thought with Rodgers, with this new offense, maybe everything not on his shoulders that he could kind of blossom and and be a nice depth piece. So, you know, from that standpoint, like it's a bit of a blow. Uh, however, I don't think that I'm in a full panic about the wide receiver room just because Corey Davis decided to retire unexpectedly. I still think there are some good pieces there. You obviously have Garrett Wilson. I think Lazard is a good number two. I think you're seeing kind of on hard knocks and we'll get into that later, but you know, Cobb obviously shows some leadership in there. You got Miko Hardman, who was kind of a forgotten man. I think a little bit when you talk about the wide receiver room. So ultimately I'm not in i uh, I'm not in a panic. I'm not hitting the panic button on this, but it's definitely uh, it's a bit of a blow and it, and it sucks. Cause I think Corey could be a, a you know, a nice, uh, a nice piece in this offense, but what are your thoughts overall on Corey and on obviously the wide receiver room as a whole? I think you definitely hit on it. Pretty much all my thoughts. I, I first of all, I want to make sure you know everyone knows. Like we hope everything's okay with him in his personal life because I'm, I would imagine a lot of the, to go through his mind when he made a decision this big because it's changing his life completely overnight. Um, but yeah, I I agree with you. I think you know they have a lot of players at, at the pass catching position, which is inclusive of both you know wide receiver and tight end. Obviously, they have running backs who can also catch the ball. So. I don't think it's going to negatively impact them the way, you know, someone like, you know, if Garrett Wilson, something happened to Garrett Wilson or something like that. But at the end of the day, having depth is super important in the NFL. There's always injuries. There's always things that happen. And, you know, Corey is a proven veteran. I know they were paying him a lot. He wasn't really, you know, living up to that contract. But, you know, he still had some moments, especially, you know, in big spots. It always seemed like it during the times in the early parts of the game, he would drop balls, but then when they needed him in the clutch, he'd always actually make a big play. Kind of was his MO in 2022. Uh, he'll always be remembered, I think, for that one play that basically will be Zach Wilson's most memorable time against the Titans in 2021 when he caught that nice ball from Zach. It was like a 50-yard bomb, and he pointed to him. So he's been a, he's been a consummate professional, I'll say that. You know, good locker room guy. I know Salah sang his praises. I saw in his like a little like release and also in the press conference. Same thing with JD. It just seems like everybody really liked Corey. He was just a, you know, he was a leader. He was a captain in year one with the team. So that's mm-hmm. something to find as well. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's this major blow. He was more of a luxury than a need. He was probably wide receiver four in terms of pecking order. I would imagine, you know, Garrett, Lazard, and Nicole Hardman were probably ahead of him. And even really Conklin as well. So that probably be four guys. So he may be fifth at best if you're not including the backs. So yes, the depth would have been nice, but I do think the Jets have, you know, pieces all around to compensate for that loss. Um, and one of the things that's always been mentioned is that his skill set is definitely redundant to what Alan Lazard can do. Big body receiver can block and, you know, has he's really good for the red zone. So to me, I, you know, I'm not overly concerned by it, but, you know, it's still sad to see a guy that could, could have been a really nice contributor for this team. Um, as far as what's next for the room, I think it's really a big opportunity for the young guys, specifically Xavier Gibson, um, Jason Bronley, and even, you know, a guy like Malik Taylor, who has familiarity with Rodgers, because now you'd imagine that there's two spots up for grabs. It really probably was one, assuming that they were going to you know, keep six wide receivers. Maybe this opens up the opportunity for a guy like Koontz to make the team as another pass catcher, because he's probably not really far along enough to be, you know, an NFL blocking tight end at this point. But I would say that it just gives them more flexibility of what they can do because they could have Bronley to be a guy who's actually involved in the offense and have Gibson more in specials. But uh, do you have any thoughts really on what's next for the wide receiver and really the pass catchers as a whole? 
Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you hit the nail kind of on the head there. Um, I think this just gives you more of it. Obviously, as you get Rodgers, you're you're in a win-now window, and you're really looking at this year. But I think now with this, I don't think that Corey Davis was going to be on this team long-term beyond 2023. Agreed. So now it kind of gives you that longer-term outlook where it allows you that flexibility to keep a guy like Brownlee, who probably will be now part of this team uh, this year and beyond. And then a guy like Gibson. So I think the the other part about that and the Gibson piece is he's obviously a solid returner and that's what you're going to keep him, you know, keep him for. And does he allow you to or, you know, does he give you that flexibility to be more of a gadget guy as well? Um, what I like about that is you're not forced to use McCole Hardman in the punt return game, which obviously you keep him healthier, which has been a, a kind of a concern uh, of his throughout his career up until this point. So. While, again, it's sad to lose Corey, it does open up some spots for the young guys, and I think that they should be keeping both Brownlee and Gibson just from that standpoint of, uh, obviously, longer term for Brownlee and then the immediate need of a punt returner and potentially kick returner in Gibson. Totally agree. But um, we did have someone ask in the chat, and I, got, I responded back to them, just comparing, you know, Aaron's, you know, skill versus skill guys from last year in Green Bay, like, would it be comparable? I would say even though they did lose Corey, I still think that this set that he has with the Jets is better. I think, you know, obviously Jones and Dillon are a good one-two punch. Uh, Christian Watson really broke out towards the back half here, and he had Lazard in both spots. But nobody is as good as Garrett on either team, so that's one thing. He didn't really have any tight ends, at least from a depth perspective, that we had. I know Robert Tonyan's been decent, but I think, you know, Conklin, Uzama, Ruckert, and now even potentially Coons, it's very deep, and all those guys I think could be capable in the pass game. And the Jets have, what, four running backs are probably going to make the team. And, you know, they only really had two in Green Bay. So I would say it's definitely deeper um, in New York than it was in Green Bay. Yeah, I would agree. I think, the you know, obviously the biggest difference maker there is Garrett Wilson. And yeah. last year on the, on the Packers, they just didn't have anybody that was even close to that level. So yeah. you have Lazard, you have Cobb, who were both on the Packers last year. You add Garrett Wilson to that mix. I don't care how many other players, uh, receivers that the Packers had, nobody's going to equal Garrett Wilson. So that's the, that's the differentiator. Yeah, I think Watson had like a good five-game stretch, and then he really didn't do anything else prior yeah. to that stretch. So I don't even think it's a comparable thing. And Garrett Wilson could be a guy that we're talking about as a top-five wide receiver with Aaron Rodgers throwing the football. I mean – Went over 1,100 yards. I know he only had four touchdowns, but that was more of a function of the quarterback play. But the guy's a stud. About. And yes. you and you heard Rodgers say that, you know, 17 special. So I don't you he mean, didn't say that. He didn't say that about Christian Watson. He may have <laughs> said he was a nice player, but he didn't feel that way, right? <laughs> I Yeah, I know we're going to get into this a little bit later, but I don't want to digress. But hard knocks, like watching Braylon Edwards ask about 17 was just incredible for me having Aaron Rodgers say he's special and he's so quick and I'm throwing the ball to the wrong shoulder just because I'm getting used to how fast he is. And then the <laughs> other part of that was watching, I think it was it either Devin White or Levante David that was talking on hard knocks about, you know, A-Rod's nice, but he doesn't really have that Devante guy. He's like, I don't even know who your guy is. And then the next montage is all Garrett Wilson just tearing them apart. Oh my God. It was <laughs> amazing. It was they, incredible. They know how to hit all the Jeff Fan notes. But, oh, they do. We're going to transition to the big boys up front, as Sal likes to say. Uh, we're going to talk first about Dwayne Brown and then about Becton. So Dwayne Brown, we got the breaking news last night, was officially cleared by doctors to be activated off the PUP list. How does that um, impact the offense with his return based on what you saw last year and you know your expectation for him this year? I think it just brings stability. And 
the panic has kind of set in in regards to the offensive line. I feel that's kind of just a product because the Jets have been in camp for so long, which yes, obviously is unlike, talking about. it's unlike 30 other teams, right? Only the Jets and Browns have been in this because they were in the Hall of Fame game. So we all expected this and really knew it was going to happen. But now that it's finally here, you kind of have this sigh of relief. So he brings a stability like, yes, obviously he's an older guy. However, uh, his floor is extremely high and there's just a trusted guy on Aaron Rodgers blindside, which I just I think that just gives us all a sense of comfort knowing that there were question marks about the offensive line. I think that is kind of unanimously probably the biggest question mark for all Jets fans. It just it's like the last domino to fall to maybe the second to last, knowing that we're going to talk about Becton, but maybe the second to last domino to fall to kind of get this finally into place. You couple that with some of the other injuries that you know, the people getting nicked up. Um, it's just now we're starting to see it kind of come together. And I think this plan is going to start working out. So just getting Dwayne Brown on the left side, getting Lakin back and healthy, whatever happens at center, I think whether it's Tipman or McGovern, we feel good about. You obviously feel good about Elijah Vera Tucker. And then we'll talk about right tackle. So I want you to give me your thoughts on obviously Dwayne Brown solidifying that left side. But then what do you think is coming from right tackle and specifically Mekhi Becton? Yeah, so first on Dwayne Brown, I think it's like you said, stability. I think it's a high floor. I mean, look, he's 38, he's turning 38 this week. So, you know, injuries can be a huge factor with him. He battled through shoulder injuries last year. So you don't really know if he's gonna be able to hold up over a 17 17 game stretch. But I do give him credit last year for you know nicking it out for a while. It's just all those those bumps and bruises he took and playing. I think I think he played like 13 games, 12 games. I'm not really sure, but to me, like he's a veteran, you know, he's been, you know, an all pro player. He's been a strong player in this league for a long time, but at like, if he flames out and, you know, the age catches up to him, you know, it's not something that you're going to be overly upset by because you expect it with a 38 year old left tackle, but you look at guys like Whitworth, like Jason Peters, they were able to play till 40. So maybe we can get one more year at Dwayne Brown since he's only under contract for this year, but I'm still happy because, you know, he's the most proven guy in the room from a tackle position. Uh, transitioning to Becton, I mean, it's it's crazy to think to me what's happened with Becton because he was a guy that, and I'd be the first to admit that I had very little expectations for, like holding out hope that something good would happen. But at the end of the day, like I, I couldn't, I, I'd be lying to you if I would have said like, two weeks ago that he would be the right tackle on opening day, which it seems like he's inching towards. Um, but he's been impressive in the preseason. I know it's the preseason. I know he's not necessarily playing against the best players on the other teams. And he's at three opportunities to show himself and he's passed every test. And I think Rogers probably said something to the staff being like, Hey guys, we got to give this guy a chance. I know that you don't necessarily trust him from a health standpoint, but he's in really good shape. You know, he's doing everything that's asked of him and he does, he deserves this opportunity. And, Make no mistake, from what you saw from him as a rookie, he has the highest ceiling of anyone on the offensive line, maybe even higher than Elijah Vera Tucker. I mean, that might be a little bit of a stretch, but tackles more important than interior. So to me, it's it's amazing. And like if this guy, let's let's just say he could play 14 games. Like I, I'm not begging on him to play 17 just because the history shows it's probably not gonna happen. Even in his one season as a starter in 2020, I think he played. I want to say 13 out of 16, but he was like in and out of a couple of games, which was frustrating. I remember the, the Denver game with Sam, like he looked angry on the sideline because they're trying to make him play hurt. But 
if you get 14 games out of Becton and maybe one of them being a rest week in week 18, that would be incredible. But what are your thoughts on him and what you've seen from him in the preseason, just everything you're hearing about from, hearing about him in practice? Yeah. So I think you go back to 2020 and as forgettable of a year as that was, like one of the few bright spots was really Mekhi Becton. I think a lot of the things, the only thing that really bothered me was that he did get nicked up and had to come out a lot for little things. However, what I really loved was as bad as that team was, he was going back to the sidelines screaming at the coaching <laughs> staff to continue to run behind him. So credit to him and what he's done to get his body back in shape, obviously recuperate from this injury, uh, to get himself over to right tackle, to be open and willing to do that. And you kind of see those things leak about really why that was going on and them kind of ramping him up and making sure that he gets to the level just so he knows that that knee is rehabbed right. Um, what I will say is that if this happens, and I think that it will and should, obviously, we spend a lot of time on this show. I know Connor and Joe spend a lot of time talking about the best five out there. I think this gets you your best five, right? Dwayne Brown, returning healthy. I think keeping, obviously, AVT at his right guard spot, which that maximizes his potential. Mm -hmm. And then having him next to Mekhi Becton clearing the way for a guy like Brees Hall, like, oh, my gosh. That just that really does allow you to get your best five. And whether it's, again, whether it's Tippmann or McGovern at center, I, I, they're, you know, they're interchangeable at this point. I think ultimately Tippmann's going to take that position over, but it's still just that gets you your best five guys out there for obviously Aaron Rodgers, Brees Hall, Dalvin Cook, Michael Carter, Garrett Wilson. Like that's just, that is the biggest piece of this is that Dwayne Brown coming back gives you the sense of relief. And then Makai Becton continuing to improve and impress and solidifying himself as right tackle one, I think just makes you feel way, way better about the offensive line and uh, their trajectory for this season. I mean, just not having to worry about Billy Turner or Max Mitchell being yeah. on the right side is such a sigh of relief. I mean, look, if I do imagine there's going to be a chance that those guys do play. That's just kind of the way the NFL works with, yeah. you know, guys get hurt. It's very rare that you see, you know, NFL team have the same combination of offensive line over the course of an entire season. It's, I mean, look, the 2009-2010 Jets, I feel like definitely had a lot of luck with that. I know towards the end of the 2010 run is when Damian Woody got hurt, and that's when we had the Wayne Hunter experience. We thought that that guy ended up being pretty good, and he ended up yeah. being really, really bad. And we don't want to go down a road of Wayne Hunter ever again with some of these guys. But listen, I just want to see Becton thrive. Everybody wants to see him thrive. And it's, it's kind of crazy to think about really like his whole stance has changed, you know. He was like, I'm I'm a left tackle, and that whole Newsday article used to tweet about and everything. But I give the guy a lot of credit. He's gotten into shape. He's you know doing everything that's asked of him. And it seems like this whole protocol about how to you know get his knee up to speed and what he's doing in terms of like repetitions has worked beautifully for him. And as a Jets fan, like this is all you can ask for because all we heard last week was the offensive line looks terrible and whatnot, and it's just like a disaster. And they better get it together. Rodgers is never going to succeed behind this. <laughs> All of a sudden, you have some reinforcements. You don't hear those same screams about the offensive line, both nationally and even locally with the beat. So Agreed. It's and, it's funny, right? When yeah, you have all your offensive linemen, it, it seems it, like a little bit better, right? <laughs> exactly. And you know what? Kudos to Rodgers for kind of taking him under his wing, going out to launch. I think that's, from a leadership standpoint, that's obviously great. Uh, I don't want to... You know, I don't want to downplay that. And I would also, this is entirely speculation. Obviously, I'm not uh, on the beat or an insider or anything. I think everybody clearly knows that. 
However, I think it'd be crazy for us to think that Rodgers is doing it, doing this without Salah at least being in the know. So mm-hmm. good on Salah because I think he, obviously Aaron is, is taking on that kind of liaison between the, the players and the coaches, right? He is that leader. Obviously, this guy has been there. He's won Super Bowl, won a Super Bowl, and been a four-time MVP. So there's no way that that Rodgers is doing this and kind of taking Beckton under his wing and getting him to buy in and talking about how you know some guys just feel out of place and you know it's it's, it's on us to bring them in and make them feel like they're at home, make them. Feel Feel like they're part of it so good on Rodgers good on Salah good on Becton the 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 fear of the offensive line I think can take a little pause at least for a little bit until obviously they roll out the starters for the uh, fourth preseason yeah fourth preseason game against the Giants that's a perfect transition so what are your thoughts about Rodgers and the starters oh. playing against the Giants I I'm very how do I put this? Obviously, I'm a Jets fan, so I'm scarred. So my mind immediately goes <laughs> to Mark Sanchez, Chad Pennington breaking his arm. Like it just seems like the Giants game is cursed. But you know what, what's the scared money don't make money? Like you gotta do it. I think and and I like that Salah is doing it. I like that you gotta see live bullets. I, I just think and Salah said it on on hard knocks, like you you want him to feel the MetLife crowd. You don't want the first time for that to happen to be on September 11th. I just think it's good to get these. Obviously, these joint practices are great, but I just think it's good to get in there and see live bullets and 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 figure this thing out at least for a series or two. Just that's it. And I obviously you weigh the risk reward. I think the reward is much greater than the risk, and I happen to agree with that. And as scared as I am, I ultimately think it's it's a good thing and it needs to happen. Even just for just for a series or two, I'll be excited to watch. I will be on pins and needles, scared out of my <laughs> mind, just making sure they all get out healthy. Um, but it's still going to be fun. It makes it it makes it much more uh, exciting to look forward to. It's just it's just so funny when you think about it. Like we're all terrified of you know one bad thing happening, but like. Once the season rolls around, like you don't think that way. You're like, I just want to win the game. Yeah. I'm not thinking about any of that stuff. And it could happen at any time. It could happen, you know, it could happen week eight, it could happen week 12, it could happen week one. Like it's look, it's if I was running the show, I wouldn't want I wouldn't want to be doing this, but it does seem like it was a decision that was, you know, discussed amongst the staff with Rogers. And it sounds like it's something he wants to do. It's not something that they're forcing him to do. Because mm-hmm. If, if we can read between the lines the way things have been operating since he got here, if this is not something he wants – if he didn't want to do this, they wouldn't be making him do it. And I do give him credit because, yeah, he's going to be rusty if the first time he's, you know, taking any live bullets is the first game of the season. And when you think about it, he hasn't been hit since, what, January? That was the last time the Packers had a game. It was like the second week of January. So you need to, you need to feel this, and it's just going to help him, you know, feel as prepared as possible – you know, as they head into the, the Buffalo game. And when you think about it, they're going to have a week in between. So it's like, if he does get hit, he's a little sore. He's definitely going to be able to like rest up and do some treatment because I think for him, he wants to see how his body reacts as well. Like he's been saying, like, like I don't want this to be a one-year thing, but like he wants to understand like how his body's going to react based on the workouts that he's done because it seems like he's changing things. I feel like he's in much better shape than he was last year when you see what he used to look like compared to what he looks like now. So he's probably like, I want to, I want to just get a feel for it. And I do give him credit, but at the same time, I wouldn't be terrified at this watch party. It is going to be, it's like it's just every, it's like, remember when you, these quarterbacks like Sanchez, Gino, Sam, Zach, every time they drop back, you'd hold your breath, hoping there mm-hmm. wouldn't be an interception. Except for this time, it's going to be him just getting hit too hard. <laughs> 
I know. And um, I will, since you touched on it, I'm jealous that you all will be there at the watch party and I won't be able to be a part of it as I, it's hard for me to get down from, uh, from upstate New York all the way down to the city. But either way, I know you guys will have a blast. The other part about this though is, is um, you know, I have to also kind of judge it based on, and we saw in hard knocks last night, like sauce and Quinnen's reaction to Solitel and then that the starters are going to suit up for a few series. Like they loved it. Yeah. And they were all about it. I mean, listen, it's not in their DNA to worry. Like that's our job as fans to worry about them yeah. getting injured. But still, knowing that they're that psyched, like that gives me a little bit of relief too. Like I, I want to see them out there. And I think ultimately, again, risk reward, like it's a good yeah. thing. And it's, it's, it's good for them to get out there and, and play with each other in a real game setting, feel MetLife, feel, get the live bullets in there. I mean, and just think about like how electric it'll be. If like Rogers in one series just leads the team down the field for six or like, you oh, know, oh my God. Like, it's I mean, crazy. let's say he like hits Garrett down the seam for a touchdown or whatever it is, like anything, it's going to be that much more like amped up and ready to go on September 11th for, for Buffalo. Like, it'll be so like that's, you know, that's the part of it. And then the great thing is that if they come out and go three and out twice, it'll be like, ah, oh, it's preseason. Who cares? <laughs> you always will spin the narrative in the pot in the way that you want it to be. So yeah. I, that's just the way it goes with preseason and you know PFF metrics, as you like yes. to say. If, yeah. if it goes into your favor, then it's great, and if it doesn't, you're like, ah, it doesn't mean anything. I only <laughs> use them when they're to, when they're to my advantage. It's perfect. <laughs> yes. Um, let's transition to hard knocks. Um, it's been great, and I know there was all the you know the the discourse that they didn't need to do this. It's a distraction, but it's been it's been great entertainment. And I got to start off with Jerome Cap, who. Maybe now with the retirement of Corey Davis has a path to, path to making the team. That guy is the man. Like his whole performance during the rookie show was awesome. Because what do you think about what it was like with the rookies the week before? It was so bad. It was probably like the worst thing I'd ever seen on Hard Knocks when they show rookies doing something. He redeemed in a big way. I mean, his his raps were they were uncanny. What were, what was your thoughts on the episode? I love the episode. I, I think each one honestly has been really good. Obviously. One was a bit of an Aaron Rodgers love fest, and rightfully so. I mean, are they going to go with anything else other than that? Like, it, it, it was. It should have been. The, him, the montage of him throwing with Ed Sheeran playing while he's – like, it was it was incredible. And they just showed everyone was kind of starstruck. You know, coaches, players, like, all of them were starstruck. But still, it was a great episode. Episode two, obviously, was, I think, really good. Um, showed a different perspective. And the highlight of that was Sala kind of getting in the offensive line's ass, which I think we all really loved. Episode three, I really, I thoroughly enjoyed. And I think it may have been my favorite episode yet. And the biggest one I touched on it earlier was Garrett Wilson just lighting up Tampa Bay after, yeah. you know, after I think, I think it was Devin. Is Devin White still on Tampa Bay? Like, God, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There were, yeah, there were rumors he wanted out, but yeah, he's yeah, still on the team. All right. I think it was Devin White that said, like, I don't really know who his Devontae is. And then all the next thing, like, it was just, <laughs> it was perfect. And um, I really just, I, I, I love this. I look forward to it every week. I think um, clearly I am starstruck by Aaron Rodgers. I love Robert Sala and everything he says. I love the messages that he sends. Um, I think overall, just the season has been great. I can't wait till the fall to the next week to watch it, you know, watch the new episode. And then at the same time, I'm also kind of excited when it's finally done and I just get to watch one through five or six, whatever, um, it is all together. Like that's going to be a really good time too. Yeah. I also really liked the scene when he was going through like the different levels of competitors in the room, like survivors, competitor, and then it was a commander. What was what was the one in between survivor and uh I don't know, man. I should have studied before the show. I didn't know that. <laughs> I can't remember. Jeez. But he was just like 
when he was talking to Q, he's like, Yo, he's like, you're a commander. He's like, yeah. He's like, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> also, just seeing Q's personality is awesome. Like the guy is he's beloved on that team. And like just seeing him dominate the Buccaneers offensive line was really fun. Um, I also really enjoyed Randall Cobb's family moment with his kids. I thought that was great doing the Cobb Bob. And then they find out that they're gonna have another sibling, which was great. Um yeah. And it seems like now with the Corey Davis retirement, he's going to be a much bigger part of the offense, which I know all the jokes stem back to when they first signed him and the idea of bringing in Aaron's guys. But like, there's going to be a moment when it's like third and third and five in a big fourth quarter. And he makes a play because he has that chemistry with Rogers and you know, he's reliable in those situations. So yeah, I don't want him taking a lot of snaps away from Harbin, but it seems like they've been rotating 50, 50 based on what the beat was saying today. But he apparently is having a good camp. He's in really good shape, and he's Aaron's guy. He knows the offense better than anybody. So I, I'm interested to see really what his impact and contribution will be for this team. You know, heading I, into the season. I agree with you, and I really like the part about with with him speaking up to the wide receivers and kind of talking about how listen, this wasn't a good practice, and Aaron's okay now, but come you know when the season rolls around, he may not be as nice, and he's going to get in our ass. And I I like that, and I think that leadership is obviously for a young group like this and someone who's been there and obviously been with Aaron. I think that's a, that's really a good thing. Mm -hmm. um, the other part that I'd like to touch on from Hard Knocks, but obviously in general, just about the Jets and this training camp and the spotlight on Tanzel Smart and yes. the fight and what he's done, what he's done so far in his career to, to stay and, and try to stick on this roster. You know, you're rooting for a guy like that, but you look at the Jets defensive line as a whole. I mean, holy shit, they are deep and this unit could be scary good. And I am so excited about what kind of havoc this D-line can, can wreak on opposing offenses and quarterbacks. Like, it really has a chance to be special. Am I yeah. – like, I'm obviously a diehard fan. I, I try to be as objective and, and as realistic as I possibly can be, but I'm not, like, out over my skis on this. I mean, they have a chance to be really good. The fact that Carl Lawson hasn't practiced in 10 days and I haven't even thought once about him <laughs> should show you how really – how truly special this unit can be. Yeah. I mean – it's think about like when Carl Lawson got injured in 2021. We all were devastated. We're like, the defense is like dead. We can't yeah, do anything. There's no way. Now yeah. it's like, just rest up. We got plenty yeah. of depth. And, <laughs> and I and I and I agree with you about Tantel Spark because honestly, like he's gonna be on somebody else's 53 if he's Absolutely. out on the Jets, which to be honest with you, and I and I don't want to rip on this guy because I know he's like a solid favorite. He's better than Solomon Thomas. I don't even think it's debatable. Solomon Thomas is like a really good guy. Apparently, he's yeah. great in the community. He's not that great at football, but I know he's a solid guy. He came over from San Francisco to follow Salah. But, like, Denzel Smart, to me, has done a lot more in his career than Solomon Thomas. I know Solomon Thomas was, like, a top three pick, or was it maybe he – was he the, no, he was the third pick because they traded yeah. back one spot when the Bears got Trubisky. I, I would rather keep him. I mean, like, you think about it, like, guys like Jermaine Johnson, Will McDonald, they're, th they're backups. I mean, I think Jermaine Johnson will end up be, being an every-down player for the most part. I mean, rotating in and out a little bit, but, like, it's crazy. And even when you think about it, when you hear nationally about the Jets' defense, like, everyone says this defensive line is as loaded of a room as anyone's seen in years. And, like, it's not like, you know, our Jets' goggles where we think we have the best of something mm -hmm. because like, that's all we see. Like, nationally, everybody knows this room is full of dogs, and they all these guys are ready to eat, like, it's. I, I think that the 45, uh, 45 total sacks that they have at Project Change, if you if you don't hammer that over, you're crazy. I crazy. think that they they can get close to sixty. Like, I agree. Why not? 
why can't they? I, I mean, if Q gets, let's just say Q gets 10, just for whatever reason, he may not, he may get closer to like eight or eight and a half. That's <clears throat> think about how many other guys are going to get it. And like, Will McDonald, he may sneak in six or seven. I, I mean, I doubt it gets that high, but you never know. He could be a stud. Some guys, just when the lights come on, that's when they show up. And maybe he's just one of those guys who's going to seize every opportunity that he gets. And the thing is, like, they have the depth to be able to just let guys like Bryce Huff and Will McDonald get in there on third down, mm-hmm. pin their ears back, and do what they do best and get after the quarterback. Agreed. And then you think you think about how deep they really are and, like, the cleanup type of sacks that these guys are going to get. Like you, you, you can get pressure with just Quinnen from up front, from the middle. Yeah. Well, think about if he just gets pressure and blows things up, and then who's out there to clean it up afterwards? Like, I am, I am beyond excited. You, you think about Aaron Rodgers, uh, Aaron Rodgers-led offense having a top five defense. Like, yeah, it, it's unreal. I it's am like the twenty twenty Packers, but like yeah, the defense might even be better than that defense. That was a great better. Packer defense. It they, really was. Listen, they had guys like Zadarius Smith and um, Preston Smith, and they had guys who can get after it. But like this, they didn't have the depth that this team has. I mean, I think I they were just maybe like from the top, like you know, they had probably better linebackers and maybe better safeties. But like this Jets defense is insane. I mean, like insane. I, I was listening to the Ringer NFL show and they were doing like top five defenses. Like Joe Capadia had us as two and Ben Solak had us as three. Like this isn't crazy of us to say like this could be the number one defense in the NFL. And I know that's the goal that they're setting for themselves. I think they were top five last year. Like the biggest thing is that there's going to be a regression to the mean with, with turnovers. They didn't get like any last year. Yeah. I think they had two like the final what month of the season or final they six games. Couldn't which is fall crazy. On a, couldn't fall on a fumble. Couldn't pick a guy off. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I think, too, the other part about this is it, we've touched on it before, but playing with a good offense and maybe playing with a few leads as opposed to having a, a Zach Wilson or Joe or Joe Flacco led offense, I think changes the game completely. Yeah. Like teams could dink and dunk us in the middle of the field last at the tail end of last season because they knew that the offense wasn't a threat to do anything. And that narrative is going to totally change this year. So knowing that they're going to be playing with some leads, knowing that the other team's going to have to throw to get back into it. And knowing that some of these guys are going to be able to get in there and pin their ears back and do what they do best. Like that's, it's going to be fun, man. It really is. I am. I am so excited for this year. I want some defensive touchdowns. Like that is super oh. important for this year. Like I think the only one we had last year was, uh, was it Quinnen or no, Michael Clemens? Somebody had it. I can't remember when they blocked, they blocked, oh no, sorry. They blocked punts and kicks. It was yes. never actually, I don't think they Clemens, actually Clemens blocked it. Not Hardy. I forget who returned it. No, you know what? It was Will Parks. It was Will Parks. That's there you go. Was. Yes, thank you. Who, who was it? Who was the solid Will Parks. <laughs> Well, actually, I just realized they did have a pick six, and it got it got um, the nullified because of this. Yeah, let's let's not talk about that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and I mean, Sauce Sauce almost had one against Aaron Rodgers. I still think that play was debatable. Sauce that play was crazy. Sauce I remember. almost had one against in New England too, and I think that was also debatable. So. We're going, you know, we're, we're digressing so, here. Sauce, my, I have a little prediction. I think Sauce is going to challenge for defensive player of the year. Like, I don't yes. think that that's, that's crazy at all. If, if this D-line is as good as we think it can be, Sauce is going to eat. He's going to get, yeah, he's going to be in consideration. Definitely. Yeah, I don't know. Speaking of, Sauce actually had a tweet that with emojis, with eyeball emojis just now, our, our good friend yeah. Matt Janisis just tweeted out, so – maybe something's happening. I don't know, but that would be what great. What could it be? I don't know. Maybe a receiver's on the way or something like oh that. Oh, boy. I love it. <laughs> For people on the live stream, we apologize if we're creating any sort of controversy. <laughs> but 
Anytime players in the NFL, the NBA, really any sports are putting emojis on in tweets, you, you think that something's happening. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna wrap and we're actually gonna wrap on like Badlands where you're halfway through the episode as they've made you. <laughs> <laughs> um Steven, what is your bold final 53-man roster prediction uh since next week will be cut day? Yeah, you know, I think I Originally, I was going to say before the Corey Davis news, I thought that Xavier Gibson was going to make it over Brownlee because of the special teams point. Okay. Um, I don't think that's as bold anymore. No. Um, I know which direction that you're going. And, oh, geez, man, I really uh, – it's tough. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think about, like, the safety position. Like, I, I don't know. I just Does a guy like Trey Dean have the ability to make it over over uh, Ashton Davis? I mean, Ashton Davis has made it – like, he's Teflon. Like, no, nothing you, – you can't get rid of the guy. In, so. in Ashton's defense, he had a good game against the Buccaneers. He on, did. on defense specifically, he's a special teams guy. It seems like they love him. I mean, he's a versatile player because he's so fast. But yeah, um, I'll give you a second to think. But my bold prediction is that Jimmy Moreland will be the final cornerback. And I even think this could open up the opportunity for Bryce Hall to be traded or cut because he's at a quietly good camp. I mean, you don't hear a lot about him because there's Sauce Goddard, there's Michael Carter II, there's DJ Reed, um, and there's Eccles, who's going to be suspended for week one. So you don't hear a ton about him. Somebody that Kaz had mentioned. And even when I was when I was at camp, I did see him, you know, do a little bit as well. So I, I think that he's going to end up being, you know, the final quarterback on the roster, you know excluding Eccles because he won't be there. So that's my bold prediction. I don't necessarily know if it's super bold, but I do think that he has a very good chance to make this final 53. I also think as a secondary is that Koontz makes the roster now that there's an extra spot because of Corey Davis. So there you go. That's what I'll go actually opposite of that. Cause I do think as I think the biggest questions were really running back. I think we're seeing that kind of shake out and I think that's really going in Michael Carter's favor. So um, but I do also think that they're going to keep Nick Bowden or Bowden, uh, as a fullback. And I think that doesn't allow them to keep three or four tight ends. So I think Koontz doesn't make it. I think they try to, uh, practice squad him. And that obviously puts fear, uh, into everybody for him potentially getting stolen by someone else. But I don't think that, uh, I don't think that, um, Koontz will make the active roster. I think he'll, uh, be practice squad. And then I think someone else is going to try to steal him. Okay. Okay. Well, I hope Jerome Cap makes the practice squad because I want that guy around solely for the vibes. <laughs> I, I I tweeted that last night. That guy is the man. <laughs> um. Anyway, we appreciate everybody who's been tuning in. It's been awesome. We hope you guys like our new format. A uh, couple quick housekeeping reminders. Make sure to subscribe to our show on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel, not only for our show, but also Badlands clips and, and a bunch of other things that we'll be having throughout the season. Um, another thing that we're doing is a giveaway for a free throwback jersey of your choice. Typically, we've done, you know, like a sauce or we've done a, a Garrett Wilson, but we want to actually have the winner choose what they want. So very easy to win. All you have to do is follow both of us on Twitter. You'll see, you know, across the ticker at SS at Stephen Russo 9. Make sure that you're subscribed to both our show on Apple or Spotify and YouTube. And if you are a Badlands Patreon subscriber, you also will get a bonus entry. We've done this contest now three years running. I know everyone's been super happy with their jerseys, so make sure you enter. And one final reminder to, you know, if you haven't, RCP to the watch party on Saturday. It's going to be a great time in the city. 
I can't wait to be there. I know uh, Joe, uh, Joe, obviously Connor, Dalvin, uh, Meigs, I believe will. It's going to be a great time. Also Dan who bucked the trend as well. So it's, it's going to be awesome. And we do really appreciate everybody who tunes in every week and, you know, keep interacting with us on Twitter. We really appreciate it.